Hey folks, and welcome back to the Pokey and Zell show. We're on episode 188, and this is our annual New Year's special, so we're, we're real happy you could join us. Uh, let's start with the introduction of our two only hosts that we've ever had, ever. So, starting at the, I guess, top of the list this time is Soraya Zell. Hi, I'm Soraya Zell. Um, I'm one of the two co-hosts of this show, and uh, it's great to be with you today. Um, I'm, I'm a little under the weather, but uh, at least I'm back in my own desk. Um, I have internet, so that, that, that helps so much. You have no idea. How long did um, you know, it was funny because the guy came out and he looked at he, like he had everything hooked up. He's like, you got signal. You should be fine. Here, plug your computer straight into the modem. He plugs computer straight in the modem. I get welcome to WoW, which is not the same cable service that he is. Like it was a Comcast tech and I have Comcast service. I'm like, I got signal. It's not the right signal. <laughs> so, yeah. Um. It, it there was somehow I got hooked up to the wrong line, which was more or less what I thought happened. No idea how it happened. No one knows who did it, but I'm back. You're thinking you're back. I'm I'm I'm, I'm, I'm thinking I'm back. Yeah. yeah I, I finally saw John Wick two the other day. Done. Um, finally. Yeah, Jeez. Yeah. What'd you think? Fantastic. Like just basically more of what I wanted, which was great. So no, it was good, and I like how they. How they ended it. I won't spoil it, but I like how they ended it. It's, it's exciting. So, I'm uh, Pokey Draven. I am the other co-host for the show, um, of the two hosts we've ever had ever, because that's what we do now. And, uh, yeah, I just saw John Wick 2 a couple days ago. I actually watched the entire uh, first first four films of the Alien, Alien series as well, all back-to-back. That was, uh, was kind of a train wreck. Like, I had seen parts of them in the past, but I hadn't sit, sat down and watched like all of them like in a row. And it's amazing to see how a series can start off so good and then just completely dive bomb into the ground. <laughs> it's impressive and how like when you, I think that when time passes in between films, you see like, oh, you know, you, you kind of forget what the last one was like. But when you're seeing them like one after the other, it's like, oh, shit, <laughs> like this is terrible. So, did you uh, yeah. did you get any diehard in this Christmas season? I'm, I'm s- sorry, man. I actually, um, I, I didn't go for the, the, the true religious doctrine solution here, but I did get my Die Hard in. Um, I watched uh, the uh, second Die Hard movie because last year I watched the first one and I didn't watch any of the others. And so I felt like I would watch the second one this year just to just to mix it up a bit. So Die Hard movies? No, there are five. What? So. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, probably. Uh, the, the last one had, um, what's his name? Uh, I think it's... Is it Jay Courtney? Whoever it is in the, the, they keep trying to make famous and isn't. <laughs> they keep trying to make him famous. It's not. Uh, well, yeah, uh, you know, toast to series that should have stopped a long time ago. Die Hard and Alien included. Um. <laughs> yes, I got it right. Like he's in like some of the Terminator movies, and and he was in the last Die Hard movie. Um, what else was he in? He was in Suicide Squad. He got killed really fast, but... Well, it is what it is, right? But, uh, yeah, so we've got a number of topics here that we should probably hop in on. Um, we, we'd hoped to talk about Star Wars this week, but uh, Jay and Bate were unavailable again, so, you know, the, the other two people that we, we do the show with sometimes. Um, so we'll have to hit that up next week, but uh, moving along here. So, Zell, there's a, a show called Black Mirror. I'm not familiar with this, but it sounds like you're watching it. So what's Wait, you, you're not familiar with Black Mirror at all. All right, so um, 
Yeah, we're going to have something new for you to be watching for the rest of the winter. Um, so Black Mirror is a uh, Netflix series, and uh, it is uh, an anthology show. So every single episode is completely separate and isolated from everything else in the series. You can watch any random episode in any order. Um, I've actually personally, I've seen season one, a couple episodes of season two and three. Um, and then I watched one episode of the new season as well. Um, it, it's, it's a show that every, every single episode you're, it's not, a, it's not a show you binge. Like you get each episode is like you're full at the end of each episode. You're like, all right, I'm done for a while. Um, but, uh, Black Mirror is effectively like a, a show that, uh, gives you like the hypothetical outcomes of technologies that you know we see today um and uh so you may not actually understand how weird the trailer that i i told you to watch was um because it it looks like you know a a very clear star trek parody and the episode of this season that was nothing like the trailer that they gave everyone for the show um but uh yeah so black mirror's done a lot of things like um you know what happens if your entire social your entire status in life is determined by how many likes you get for things you do online and um kind of horror stories that like this this particular episode that i watched from the new season uh really ends up being a horror story about virtual reality um there's been a couple of those um i really really highly recommend it there's not a lot of episodes i think the longest season is like six episodes, but they're really good. Oh, that's that's pretty interesting. Because when you first uh, sent me the trailer, I was like, "Is this the Orville?" But something else. Like I was very confused because it kind of had. I know you said that the Orville is is much more serious than the trailers lead it to believe, but this one looks like it's a complete, you know, total parody of Star Wars or Star Trek. Sorry. Yeah. Um, well, that that's the thing is it was so like the trailer was so out there for Black Mirror, which is a fairly grounded you know, thing that takes where we are in, in technology development and then turns it, dials it up a little bit and, you know, makes it creepy. Um, and then they put out this trailer for this. And so basically this guy who works in this VR game studio has this like private build of the game that's modeled after his favorite sci-fi series. And he copies people into it where they are trapped and have to live out his, Star Trek esque fantasies. Wow, <laughs> it's totally not what you expect when you look at that trailer. <laughs> right, you're like, oh, it's just you know a sarcastic character who's like, well, this is really weird, and everyone else seems to be in it, but in reality, they're actually they're actually trapped in there by some some lunatic nerd. That's fantastic. I I highly recommend this series. Um, I have only seen you know, as I said, one episode of this new season. But every single episode of the series that I've seen is individually kind of amazing. Um, some of it can be a little on the, the borders of nightmarish, but, you know, just if you think about it too much. When you realize that this actually is somewhat plausible, that is some of all the stuff we see now. Um, but that, that's, that's where good horror comes into play, though, when you go, well, this is obviously ridiculous, but, but I could see this actually happening in some sense, you know, and that's, that's pretty cool. So I... I'll check that one out. That sounds interesting. I had heard the title, like I think my dad had mentioned it, but I didn't pay much mind. But now that you kind of describe what it is, that's actually much cooler than I thought it was. So I'll be sure to check that out and, and uh, give my thoughts on it. 
All right, so speaking of futuristic possibilities, let's talk about a game that someday might actually exist, Squadron 42. Uh, new, new foot, I don't even want to call it a trailer, like it's a vertical slice and like a hefty one at that, like a full hour, wasn't it? Yeah, it's like an hour and seven minutes, and this is like, it, like, I think I mentioned this last week, they haven't shown much of Squadron 42 really at all it's been you know they it, it it's basically it's star citizen single player campaign um and then they decided to make a separate game and that was the root uh, part of the root of all their legal snafus with uh with crytek but squadron 42 has been very much developed in the dark they had as much as star citizen everyone has been able to play it as janky and unfinished as it is Squadron 42 has always been very, very behind the scenes, and people were like, I don't know if we're ever going to hear or see anything of this. So this is a, this is really a really big amount of information they've given us. There's a lot they're showing off. Um, it looks, you know, to me it looks very good. It looks very on par to what I expect from something like, um, you know, a Mass Effect type thing. Um, but obviously turned up quite a bit on in terms of the graphics and and what they can do with the universe that they've put together for it. Yeah, I mean, it looks it looks damn good. We saw a trailer a couple of weeks ago with uh, Mark Hamill doing voice acting for that one character, and that was that was really solid. But this was, you know, I only watched about 20 minutes of the full hour, but, you know, in terms of storytelling, I was like, wow, there's, there's more plot in this 20 minutes than there is in the entire, you know, Destiny franchise. So, you know, <laughs> there's that. Um, but, you know, it, it looks, it looks, you know, really good I, it's a vertical slice so i mean you could tell it's going to have some glitches and i know that you know i i think the scene i ended up on was when he's at the armory getting a, a knife and a pistol and the character's kind of spazzing out a little bit but that's that's pretty common for for vertical slices where it's you know we're we're not the game's not done we're just giving you kind of a quick look at what we want the finished product to about look like and i think that if they can actually deliver on meeting this vertical slice it's gonna look it's gonna look damn good i think it's it's very solid looking i think that the voice acting's good um obviously some room for improvement because vertical slices are not meant to be perfect but uh overall it's you know, i thought it looked pretty positive it looks it looks neat now is this the, now this is going to be sold separately from star citizen that's correct it is a separate it's a separate title but it's like even some some of star citizens development priorities have been shaped by the fact that they're working on squadron 42 that at the same time because they are the same game engine a lot of the same art assets are shared between both games. Um, so there's a lot of stuff that they, that, you know, maybe they're going to develop those settings and ships and stuff in Star Citizen because they need them in Squadron 42 first. Um, but, it, you know, it, it's two different, two different games basically made out of the same assets and development work. Now, how is the community reacting to that? Are they... Are they positive about the single player experience, or are they kind of picked, you know, ticked off that it's taking resources away from the main, you know, sandbox game? Um. Well, I mean, you got to bear in mind that the original, like the the original demands for Star Citizen were so much l different than what they are now. I mean, if people are upset about it, they're more upset about it. it, it like a lot of people were upset about not having Squadron Forty Two more than they were about progress in Star Citizen. Um. You know. Because I think Squadron Forty Two is actually more the part that people were initially backing. Interesting. So the single player experience was the original thought, and then that the sandbox came. In. Um, to some degree, I I mean, people worked. I I think because I, I didn't back it that early to begin with. Um, 
but I think originally it was supposed to be much more um, focused on things like the the single player and the the like straight up skirmishing type of thing, like the whole having a, a giant world behind it type of thing was really where they went off the you know off the deep end as the as the backing money rose. So I feel like, you know, at the very least, Squadron 42 probably has a, a better chance of actually being completed compared to the, the sandbox because it's a it's a more of a finite experience, which I think is is good, um, especially if they can maintain kind of the quality that we saw in the vertical slice here. Yeah, I mean, the big question for me right now is that that legal kerfuffle standing out is will will that prevent this? You know, can they get an injunction preventing them from releasing the game is are, can they afford to finish the game after that they've dealt with all the costs that, you know, if they lose? There's a lot there, and that's that's really where I think the biggest risk is. Yeah, it'll be curious to see how that pans out moving forward. But, uh, you know, as usual, we'll keep tracking this. We're, you know, Zell is our resident expert for Star Citizen, but uh, the legality and the scope and everything they do surrounding it is, is really fascinating to me, so I'm always curious to hear how it's going and how people are receiving it. And uh, Star Citizen 3.0 is also now available on their live server, which um, is uh, now available for everybody. It's still like, it's weird because they call it like they they have their live and their test servers, but they're, they're both alpha versions of the game, so it's, a, you know, it went from being just a test version from where it was as a test of a test version, um, but uh, this is the big the big release where you can land on planets and everything, and uh, adds quite a few new landing zones and areas, and things tend to stay where you leave them now instead of all resetting every time you log in slash crash. Um, and uh, they've uh, the other big thing is that they've massively upped the number of people that can be in a single instance of the Star Citizen universe. Um, it used to be, I think it was 12 or 16, um, which was very small. And obviously apart from the spawning location, you would really rarely ever log into, run into anyone at all, unless you screamed in chat, I'm over here, come shoot me. Um, they now are allowing 60 people per instance, which is a significant step up. Um, so now you do actually randomly encounter other people when you're going around the, the handful of different locations and stuff that you can fly to. So, um, pretty big. And that's available back or only. I only play this game without backing with some money. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. But, um, usually the starter packs, they, they vary in price a little bit at different times, but they get down to around the $35 mark if you buy it during a sale. Okay. Yeah. I think I, I think I paid 45 a couple of years ago and I haven't played really much at all, but, uh, that was kind of the, I think just to blow up above the lowest here is the $45 one, so it hasn't changed too much. But, you know, if you're uh, excuse me, interested in being involved in that, it will, you know, cost 35 bucks. But, I mean, from the looks of it, it looks pretty good. Um, it's just kind of curious and when it all happen and if they can actually pull it off. So we'll, we'll keep you all posted. So in other news, we have CCP Games. So CCP Games is obviously uh, <laughs> near and dear to our hearts in a very bittersweet sort of relationship. This is the company that produces uh, EVE Online. They produce the late Dust 514, EVE Valkyrie, uh, Gunjack, all those titles. So they've been kind of busy. They they recently had that massive layoff where they closed like half their studios and laid off like 100. It was kind of a big kerfuffle at the time. Uh, really unfortunate because, you know, people losing their jobs is never a good thing. But you know, they were kind of undergoing a, a restructuring and that sort of thing. So... 
we usually keep an eye on, and, and this is actually brought to us by Janik Menaheim. He's our resident stalker who finds everything and digs into everyone's personal business. He always knows. Like, he, he is the, the first source for any of this sort of thing. It's it's Janik. If, if something's posted on ArtStation, he will find it that day <laughs> and, and link it to us. And like, hey, look, this guy did, like, you know, a, a concept art for a rail rifle, like, four years ago and it is insane so you know props to jadic but he did bring this to our attention so it looks like uh ccp is and i'll, I'll read the uh job listing here ccp is currently building a team in london to lead development on a new and highly ambitious mmorpg so it's your usual buzzwords that you often see in that sort of uh, job listing uh and they're hiring a number of, number of other positions as well i know that there's still last time i checked a uh, like a community manager position open for Project Nova, um, but there's also some other projects that are open for whatever they're working on in the London office. Now, uh, another interesting tidbit is that CCP also filed for a trademark for the title Project Foundation, and it lists it as a downloadable mobile title, uh, which is really interesting. I know that it, at uh, eVegas they had showcased uh, basically two projects, Project Nova, which is the FPS game that we all know about, and then Project Aurora, which was a kind of a mobile version of EVE Online, where you'd kind of have this ongoing uh, resource war with other players through your cell phone. And obviously not to the depth of, of EVE proper on PC, but it would be, you know, kind of a similar experience. Now, I'm not sure if, you know, what they are looking for the lead designer is for Aurora, if it's for Project Foundation, if it's, you know, uh, Project Aurora got renamed to Project Foundation. It's really unclear right now. Just that we know that there is a trademark for that title. And uh, yeah, it's it's kind of interesting. It's really weird that they file a trademark for that title, actually, because they don't use the project... Like, CCP uses the project nomenclature for unfinished projects and then usually names them something else. So, like, you know, the EVE Legion thing was a trademark, not Project League. You know, things like, as far as I know, Project Aurora was never trademarked. Um, so it's really weird for them to to pit, do one of these project things filed as a trademark, um, especially because it does, you know, show their hand a little bit for something that probably isn't a final name. No, I agree. I think it's, it's very odd. Like you said, I, I don't think that they've, trademark project nova or project aurora there'd be no reason to because you're just going to throw it away anyway so if someone you know buys up the url for it or whatever you don't care because you're going to get rid of it once the game releases anyways at the same time i think it's unlikely that they're going to say project foundation as a final title for anything because the way they do their development that'd be very confusing to have a final game that has project something but then everything else that's project something is is not so I'm not really sure what they're working on here. It's kind of weird, but, uh, you know, they're hiring, which is if you're, you know, a developer and you, you want to hop in on that, I can understand some reluctancy <laughs> if you're, uh, you know, looking at their, their, even in the last six months, they laid off a ton of people. Uh, I can see people being a little reluctant to actually hop in there and, and work for the company. I mean, it also makes you wonder, um, they're, in my best guess is that what they're going to be doing is is sticking with kind of a, We've got a small team that's going to work with a third party to, to develop this because I know that Aurora and Nova were both under that that idea with you know CCP leading a small team that's working with Sumo Digital to make Project Nova, and then same with Aurora, they've got a small team that's working with Playraven to make 
you know, the, the mobile game. That my guess is this is that what they're doing moving forward. So they're going to have a few lead designers, you know, core team that's leading to the, the core concept development design process. And then after that, all of the grunt work is going to go to a third party. So whatever they're working on for Project Foundation, if it is or isn't Project Aurora, I imagine that's probably following a similar structure and that, it, that these job listings are to make up that core team. And it, it's weird that this is in London, too. I mean, they the actual servers are there, and so they have to maintain a, an office there. Um, but especially with their kind of falling back to Iceland almost with game development, it, it's just a little strange to see them developing a, a game there. I, I mean, I guess if you've got the space and you just want I me mean, i mean it's easy because i'm, I'm going to be going to iceland in, in next year for, for fan fest and i was kind of scoping out their building through google maps and you know it's a it's a large building but i imagine that they're probably tight on space i can imagine so maybe that they're just like eh, we'll stick this team over in the london office and they can work on it there i mean the, the majority of the workload is probably third party anyways so it probably works, but yeah, it is a little strange that the London office is getting development now uh, instead of just running the server like it has been, as far as I know, up until this point. Okay, so moving along to other space-related games. Uh, real short thing here, I'm not going to go into it too deep, but uh, Destiny 2 uh, obviously has an expansion coming out sometime in the next six months-ish. Uh, and this is the other one that was touted to go with the season pass. So the first one was obviously Curse of Osiris, which came out a little bit ago. Um, and then this is the next one, which is more of a Warmind-themed uh, expansion. The There's been some leaks here and there. Most of them, from what I can tell, are probably fake. Uh, the only one that I found that really seems to hold a lot of water is just the title, which is Gods of Mars. And if you've played... Destiny 2, and if you've you know, seen certain cutscenes and certain bits of lore, this probably makes sense that the game is going to take place on Mars, and, you know, the title, it, it seems to fit the bill. So, you know, the title is probably going to be Gods of Mars, but a lot of the stuff that's been popping up might have some truth to it, but, you know, there's a lot of fakes out there, especially with, you know, this kind of ongoing leak, and I think a lot of it's intentional on Bungie's part to kind of keep the YouTube uh vibe going because pretty much every day there's some little tidbit that comes out you know data mind or whatever i'm fairly certain this is a planned thing but uh the whole cycle of leaks you know official or not i think has kind of gotten some people excited and they've started to kind of make some hoaxes as well so you know like i said lots of buzz around destiny 2 uh i'm not going to get too deep into it but uh you know if you are seeing leaks online do be cautious and don't just believe everything you hear because a lot of it is looking a little sketchy. You actually dig a little bit deeper than the surface story. Pokey, pokey. Every, everything you read online is true. true. You know that. If it's on Google, verified. Google verifies it. They wouldn't put anything on there unless it was true. So yeah, that's uh, that's just my bit on Destiny 2. You know, just keep an eye out for stuff. And, uh, you know, we'll see what actually ends up being true. But I think we're probably a few months off from this. So I'm thinking Q1 for sure, but probably closer to the April, May time period so they'll probably be then okay so this is the part of the show where i talk about what i got for christmas because there was lots of stuff to be had related to gaming for christmas to, to much excitement so i had mentioned this uh, last week i was actually getting my brother a playstation vr and i i did and he got it and he was very excited but we did get to you know sit around and play with it and uh 
you know, it's it's actually been a very positive experience. So we, we got we had a few games. Um, we picked up a few ones that were really cheap, and we just kind of kind of grabbed them. But uh, general opinion, um, you know, I had tried the PlayStation VR at a Best Buy when they were kind of running their campaign to hey come by and pick it up, and this was like sometime last year, right? And I I, I tried it on, and I was like, well, that was fun, but it, it really wasn't like wasn't really grabbing me. I mean, it kind of actually. I was kind of upset about it because I was really kind of hyped to get a PSVR, and then I, I decided against it after giving it a shot, just because of the price tag and all that. And I just I decided against it. So got it for my brother though because it was like two hundred bucks. So it was a really good deal. I got it for Black Friday sale, and uh, so we gave it a shot. And I have to say that my experience this time around was far far better than what I experienced when I tested it in store at like the Best Buy. I think a lot of that was probably because I had time to actually, you know, properly fit it to my head and get the the visor at the right height and get it zoomed and and focused properly. And it just it was more comfortable. The um, image was was much more clear. It was just a much better experience. I don't think the hardware's changed. I think it's just it takes a while to get it right when you're trying to fit something like this to your head. And, and you might be able to agree, Zal. I mean, it, it takes a bit of time to kind of calibrate a, a VR headset to to feel good. Is that about right? Yeah, I'd agree with that. So, you know, overall, my initial review of it, like, six, 12 months ago, I'm not even sure when we did it. Um, I'm kind of taking some of that back. I think it's it's actually much better. The picture was clearer than I remember. Um, I was able to focus on it better. Um, and just overall, a much better experience. So that's, that's good. I felt good about the purchase after actually giving it a shot. Um, and luckily, our setup that we kind of had in our, our gaming area worked pretty well. We had to push the couch back a few feet. But you know, it, it was the setup took probably about an hour to get it all plugged in and, and sorted out through the settings and that sort of thing. But in terms of like physical space, what we had uh, worked pretty well, but it still feels a little small, especially if you're going to be playing games where you've got the motion controllers, where you're reaching and grabbing and you've got, you know, the PS move controllers. Um, it's just just to remind people, VR takes a lot of space to do much in and, I'm, and i know zell can agree because lots of games he hasn't played because it's a pain in the ass to set up his apartment to play vr games and i, I can definitely kind of feel that now where it was workable but i had to be a little careful and swinging my arms around because i think i punched the wall a couple times <laughs> while playing a game because you know you, you you don't think about it that when you're on a couch with a controller in hand space feels good and open but when you're you know reaching and, and ducking and, and swinging your arms around you need a lot more space than you think you do. So, you know, if you're hopping on a VR headset, make sure you're really thinking about, does my space accommodate the sort of games that I want on it? If you're just sitting there and playing with a controller, like a normal handheld or like a mouse and keyboard, not a problem. You know, that that's, as long as you can duck and move your head and that sort of thing and look around, you're fine. And if you can't, I'm severely concerned about your setup for your gaming but um i think most people will be fine with that but if you want to play with motion controllers which i think is really the um the pinnacle of vr that's really what the fun is uh really be sure to look at what space requirements they require they they suggest for the headset you're getting because it's it's much bigger than you might think um so keep that in mind yeah i uh one of the reasons i haven't really broken out the vr headset much is that uh I, I filled my, my VR space with stuff, you know, I have stuff, uh, you know, and, and I need to like clean the house before I can, you know, do a VR setup again. 
yeah and it's and it's even if your your space is clean you can have issues like i was sitting on um the couch and we have a love seat that we use for gaming um in front of the tv and i was playing a game where i needed to reach down to grab a car door and open the car door right except that <laughs> the arm of the, the the love seat was like six inches in the way so i kept trying to grab the car door and i just physically could not get my digital hand in the right spot because the couch arm was in the way um so it's stuff like that you just really got to think about what you're doing and you know at the end we found that standing is actually the best bet because you've got a little more range of motion but that comes with its own issues so we'll, we'll touch on that in a second um but yeah so we tried I, I tried two games um my brother picked up a couple others so the first one was the playstation worlds which comes with certain bundles the bundle i got did not come with it but if you buy it it's like seven bucks um so it's 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 kind of a no-brainer just to get some stuff to play around with i did not try all of the games on there i think there's five total but i just tried one of them which is the london heist which is kind of the one i was most interested in basic synopsis is you're stealing a jewel from a london museum and you have to escape it's a short game it's a very very short game i think i did it in like an hour the whole thing and there's various challenges and difficulties and you can play around with that but if you're just looking for like the story straight through it's like an hour it's really short this is why the game is like seven dollars but uh it was it was really well done in the sense that it was clearly designed to show off different kinds of things you'll be doing in vr so there's kind of different stages of the game um there's probably two two major ones you're probably gonna well i'll say three um there's one where you're actually stealing the diamond and it's not like you're moving through uh, a museum and stuff it's more like you're at a desk and you have to manipulate various things on the desk you know open this grab the key use it to unlock to get a slip of paper which you use to get the keypad number and you punch the keypad in that sort of thing um that felt pretty good you know not very exciting but does kind of give you a good sense of how to manipulate things in a virtual space with the the move controllers and that sort of thing so it was well done uh the other major one is probably the getaway scene where you're basically sitting shotgun in um, a van trying to escape down the freeway and you know guards and various you know mob members to stop you from escaping with this diamond um and so you've got this you know uzi and handguns that you have to you know shoot the the guys on motorcycles and the trucks that come by and that sort of thing so you're you know shooting out the window you can actually lean out the window of the car you can shoot the windows out um and, you know aim for the tires aim for the guys and you know coming out of the sunroof that sort of thing uh what was kind of cool is you actually have to reload the guns so you've got like a bag of like uh ammunition next to you you actually have to pick up the ammunition and it's slotted into the gun to to reload and that felt pretty badass i mean it wasn't it wasn't super punishing in how you had to do it it was it was pretty freaking like just as long as you get it remotely close it just does it for you um but it felt really cool to just kind of you know be shooting and i've got the magazine in my other hand i just pop out the old one stick the new one in and you know it just it was really cool power fantasy so that was really really well done um Another part I really liked was you're sitting in a bar and you're talking with the guy who's going to kind of, he's setting up the heist and you're, you're discussing the details with him. And uh, this is kind of where I got surprised with, with the level of immersion. It was pretty cool where, so I'm sitting there and there's a cigar and an ashtray and a lighter. And I'm like, okay, cool. So I, I, I pick up the cigar and I'm holding it in my character's hand. And I flip the lighter open and I light the cigar. I'm like, oh, that's kind of neat. And uh, just for fun, you know, I put it to my mouth, you know, in real life and in, in you know, made like a, like I was, you know, breathing it in sound. And I noticed that the tip of the the cigar was glowing. I'm like, well, maybe that just does that when you get it near your mouth. And then I, I made a blowing sound, you know, like a, and uh, smoke came out of the character's mouth. I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. 
um, maybe it was like a just I'm, I'm expecting like a timed sort of uh, scripted you know inhale exhale sort of deal. Well, then I, I kind of kept doing it, and I realized that there must be like a microphone or something built into the headset because if I inhale for a long time, the character would inhale as well, and then I could actually exhale and blow the smoke out and point it wherever I want and blow it in the guy's face or whatever. Um, and I, I'm, I'm assuming it was using the microphone to catch on that sound I was making just from inhaling and exhaling uh, to do the effect. And that was like just really cool. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of getting the giggles like, you know, it's something so simple, but just the, the thought that goes into, hey, wouldn't it be cool if they could actually smoke the cigar and, and blow smoke what they wanted? Um, I was very impressed with that. Was, but but you, cool. you're missing the immersive effect of like getting lung cancer. That's true. I, I They'll probably eventually have something you could like shove down your throat. And it'll just inject carcinogens into your into your lungs to make sure you get the full experience but for right now i'll settle for for face smoking um in the video game but yeah the london heist was was really fun um like i said short but you know it's meant to be kind of a more of a demo disc of games rather than like a full experience so you know if you do pick up playstation vr i would definitely grab the uh, playstation worlds if it's not included with your uh with your bundle also make sure that if you do buy psvr that you also purchase the camera it usually doesn't come with the headset and you probably don't own it because there's no reason to really own it unless you are still using your move controllers for something other than vr um so the camera is like 40 50 bucks on amazon something like that um and that is necessary for uh a lot of the stuff you have to do with the vr so make sure you pick that one up as well the other game we played and this is one that i actually played um, back when it was like a little flash game online, they eventually made it into like a full PC. I don't know if it ever received a console release, but I know it was on PC. Um, and it's a game called Superhot. And Superhot's a very interesting concept that um, the idea is that time only moves in the game when your character is moving. So let's say you, you, you just stand there, someone fires a bullet at you, you can see the bullet coming at you, but it's, it's either stopped or moving extremely slowly. And that bullet's only going to continue to move if your character moves. So if you move your head to the left, the bullet will then, you know, keep moving only while you're moving. And so what you kind of get is this stop and go, slow motion kind of action thing where, you know, you're dodging the bullet, you grab the gun, and, you know, you throw something. And it's a very tactical, very thought out. It's more of a puzzle game than an action game because you're, you have time to look around and go, okay, well, what do I have to do to dodge that, kill that guy, you know, get over here in time and, and that sort of thing. Um, and like I said, it's more of like a puzzle of how to solve each counter rather than just how good is your aim, because that's not really the main purpose of it. It's more of how to analyze the situation and get rid of all the enemies in the most creative and efficient way possible while doing all kinds of cool, you know, bullet time matrixy effects um, in the process. And so I, I played the original Flash game. I never actually got the full PC game, but I had seen gameplay of it. It was pretty true to the original game, um, kind of the free Flash game. And then I heard it came out on VR, and I was like, oh, that that would be really, really cool. Like, this game is made for VR. Like, it's just it's just the whole thing is set up perfectly for it. Um, and so we picked it up. It was, I think, like 20-something dollars. Um, absolutely worth it like it's it's really 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 cool probably the most fun i've had in the vr game so far so same basic premise you know you're a guy and time only moves when you do and you've got a bunch of bad guys trying to kill you um 
but instead of just you know moving your mouse or your, your mouse and keyboard around to you know dodge stuff you're moving your whole body and so when you dodge a bullet you actually have to either like physically duck in real life or you know lean your head to the side and try to avoid you know being shot um biggest difference is that with a vr game your character is stationary rather than being mobile because it's you know you can have people running around their living rooms exactly so they had to make some changes to the game where encounters are kind of broken up into little sections where your character is just moved to the next section um, once you clear it, and it, it all kind of strings together into like one big, excuse me, one big action sequence. But you know, there is some conceptions to be made when you convert a normal game to a VR game. But what you gain with the satisfaction that you're dodging bullets, and you can play with the controller, I think. But if you're not doing it with the motion controllers, you're missing out because being able to like punch a guy and then reach out and grab his gun out of midair and then shoot the guy behind him, and you're doing this all in one big fluid motion with your hands absolutely amazingly satisfying like just both my brother and i were getting the giggles with the, the crazy stuff you're doing and, and you find that you're actually doing like i said like stuff in the matrix like you know there's a scene where there's like three guys with shotguns and your character can't move so they're shooting at you and you have to dodge the bullets and i was literally doing kind of a you know um rooftop scene matrix thing where i'm like leaning back like almost like doing the limbo right with these bullets you know soaring over my head really really cool you look like an absolute doofus in real life but you know when you're playing the game it's it's really really fun so you know if you and i, I think it's available on all platforms for vr so if you have a vr headset and you've got the motion controllers pick up super hot like it's it's absolutely fantastic it's a very good experience um the only issue i ran into is that and it could be because of our limited game space is that if I needed to reach up to grab something, I, I'm very tall. I'm six foot two and I've got long arms. I found that if I reached up too high, the camera would lose sight of the, the bulb on the end of the motion controller and it would just it would freak out. So, you know, I had to be a little more conservative with how I moved and stuff. I couldn't have too, you know, true freedom in movement. But uh, other than that, it wasn't really ruining the experience. You just kind of had to learn to deal with, you know, the, the technology. So it's, it's obviously not perfect, but overall super hot absolutely fantastic VR game. Um, well, well worth the money. Uh, and the one more thing that we haven't had a chance to play yet, but we just finished up all the DLC and of course the whole game for Resident Evil 7 um, on PS4. That game naturally supports VR. We haven't tried it yet, but I'm going to try to get my brother to play it in VR because I know what's going to happen in the game. He has no clue. So the way the game is built, it's clearly designed to be very terrifying in VR because there's lots of stuff that grabs your face and, you know, it, it's going to be much more intimidating, you know, with a full field of vision, you know, like a hand grabbing you than it would be on a TV. So it's going to be scary as shit. And if he refuses to do it, I will do some uh, some recordings of it because, you know, my reaction might be different, but I really want to scare the shit out of him. So. Um, we're working on that. We'll try to get my brother to play Resident Evil 7 in VR, but uh, no promises. But we'll get something out to you um, probably in the coming weeks. Also, as a side note, uh, if you have not picked up Resident Evil 7, it is an absolutely amazing survival horror game. It is nothing like the bullshit you saw in like Resident Evil 5 and 6. It goes right back to the roots of what the game should be, and it just received a, for a permanent 40% price cut. Cause it's, a bit, it's a bit older, but... You know, it's $36 normally now, and I think it might be on sale on Steam for 20% off of that, so it's, it's even lower. So keep that in mind. Really good game. Resident Evil 7 will get some footage to you soon.
Now, in terms of other gaming things that we got for Christmas, my parents actually got my brother and I a Nintendo Switch. So that was that was actually pretty exciting. And the Switch is something that I've <laughs> I've got too many games to play is the problem. So I hadn't thought about buying a Switch, but I have one now. So um, that's pretty exciting. General opinion: um, the hardware looks and feels really really good. Um, it's just it's just got a good a good feel to it, um, particularly like the actual console part of it. Uh, the Joy-Cons, which are the little controllers that you play with, they they feel a little light and flimsy, but my guess is they're trying to keep them light because when you clip them on to um, the main screen, you you don't want to make it much heavier. Like it, it's it's a it's a full console with a with a screen in it, so it's it's a, it's a sizable screen. It's it's much bigger than I expected. It's like okay, well, it's not a TV, but it's it's certainly workable and it's better than some other things that you could play with for mobile. So you know. Overall, the, the the hardware feels feels really really good. Um, I was impressed. I haven't really done much testing in terms of battery life yet. Um, we were playing mostly uh, on the couch on the TV, but you know we'll we'll get it out and, and test it more on the mobile, the mobile uh, configuration some more and let you know. But uh, overall, it, it feels pretty good. My uh, my little sister got one for Christmas as well, so I got to set one up. And the biggest thing still sticks with me: that thing comes with so many different pieces. Um, I, I know I put, I tried putting on like the, the covers for like the little cover wrist strap things. So you can use them as one handed controllers. Um, and mine got stuck and I, it was really hard to get it back apart. Um, I really wonder how well these things are gonna like, you know, this has only been out so much, you know, so, but how years down the road here, how much of these things are going to survive the beating they're going to get? Um, that's that's for me probably the biggest concern. Yeah, and I know what you're talking about—the little little cover that goes over the open end of the Joy-Con. Probably will never use that, to be honest. Um, just the kind of games I'll probably want to play on it are not going to use that configuration. So it's going to be either in the Joy-Con, like you know, console controller that clips into, or on the device itself. In terms of those two configurations, it feels pretty good. But yeah, the the little plastic pieces slide over the open ends they just they feel very weird like i can i can tell what nintendo is going for it's just there's so many pieces that you could lose and break it's it, it, that part is a little concerning and that whole slide mechanic I, i'm just curious how well those will hold up long term we'll see um but yeah you know it, it actually if like when you see the pictures online you actually expect it to be bigger but it is actually just about the perfect size i'd say it, it feels good like I said, you know, it just you hold it. You're like, okay, yeah, this is this is about right, you know. And it is a sizable, like, it's bigger than like a Vita, right? Um, like kind of the same shape, but it doesn't feel too big. It feels pretty good. So we got to pick it up. I don't want to take it out too much because we don't have a case for it yet for like, uh, you know, mobile. But uh, you know, in terms of just like holding it on the couch, it, it does feel pretty good. So we also, with the console, got two games, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild and Mario Odyssey, because if you're going to get two games for the Switch, those are the two you get. Um, I didn't get much to play Mario Odyssey. I played it for probably about like 10, 15 minutes. Um, felt really good. It felt like a, like a Mario game and as well polished as they always are. And, uh, you know, it's, it's not anything crazy like uh, Mario Galaxy was, with crazy gravity and that sort of thing. But uh, they do have some gimmicks in there, and it's just, it just feels like a really solid clean mario game it's got good music i gotta say it's, it's surprisingly good music for mario odyssey 
Um, but I'll, I'll get back to you guys more on, on my thoughts on that one if I play it some more. But uh, the one that I did actually play for a bit of time, about an hour, hour and a half, was uh, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. So this is not by any means a full review. I just kind of my initial thoughts on it. Um, so it's interesting where a lot of games these days have a very hands-on approach to how they deal with their characters. You know, think about how many RPGs you play where it's like you get a quest. There's a quest marker. Follow the quest marker until you get to the thing. Talk to the guy. You're done. Zelda doesn't do that, really. <laughs> like, there's some there's some indication where it's like you need to go here, you need to go there, sure. Um, but a lot of times it's it's a very very hands off approach. So I won't spoil anything. But in near the beginning of the game, you climb a tower and they say, okay, well you got to find these three shrines. And you you've already done one of the shrines, so you know what they look like approximately. And so you're at the top of the tower, and he's like, okay, well, uh, yeah, find those three shrines and uh, go do them and come back to me when you're done. And you're like, okay, fine. So where are they? And the game's like, well, we're not going to tell you where they are. You just have to pull up your little you know, binoculars and find them, and you can mark what you think is the shrine, um, but you got to find it yourself. And if you ask the NPC for help, he basically says, like, uh, you, you know, you need to figure it out on your own. Um, so very early on, the game is like, you are on your own. Like, we'll, we'll help you a little bit, but you've got to figure out how to do things, you know, with your, with your own, your own wits about you, you know? Um, so you're like on the tower and you, you see kind of glow that you think is the shrine. You can mark all three of them and then you follow those waypoints that you yourself set and you can get up there and, and do the thing and you get back and it's great. Um, I like that though. Like it's, I can see how it can be frustrating, particularly if you're maybe a younger kid and you you want to have kind of more handholding. Um, but for someone who's been playing Zelda games for most of his life and, and is used to a lot of gaming, it's it's very refreshing to kind of get that hands off. Like I'll tell you what you have to do, but how you get there and how you do it, that's up to you. Um, Another good example of that is that there's when you go to do those shrines, there's two areas you have to go to, and they're they're snowy. And so the temperature is very cold. The game tells you, hey, your body temperature is going to go down if you go into these areas. Um, and if you're in there too long, you're going to freeze to death and die. And you can either equip armor or find something else to keep your body temperature high. And that's all it gives you. And so we tried to kind of run to where we had to go and we pretty much killed over and died. Like you, you can't get there normally with stuff you currently have when you start the game. And so we're kind of going, hmm, how do we, how do, we do this? And uh, we noticed that next to the gate going into the snowy area, there was some stuff you could pick up on the ground. And they were like peppers, like uh, hot peppers, right? You're like, oh, that's, that's kind of interesting. So we go in there and we pull up the item and it's like eating. If you cook this hot pepper into a dish, it will raise your body temperature. All right. Well, how do I cook something? And the game kind of shrugs and goes, figure it out. Um, <laughs> so we're like, all right, well, shit. Uh, and we're looking around and we see that there was a nearby um, camp. And there's a pot over um, some wood. And we're like, okay, well, maybe we can cook something in there. And the game's like, uh, you can't cook unless you light the fire. And we're like, well, shit. So I went and found a torch and got lit on fire and had to bring it back, light the fire into the pot. And I'm like, okay, now I can cook. I'm waiting for like a cooking prompt. And it's like, no, you just got to figure out how to do it. So like, well, shit. <laughs> so I go into the menu and I find the hot peppers that I had picked and it's like click this button to hold the pepper and i'm like all right so i, I i'm holding it it shows like link um holding the pepper and i'm like i can hold a couple of so i hold up the five peppers and it's like use okay and so i'm standing next to the next to the pot and just dump the peppers into the pot and that's how you cook 
Um, you basically select up to five ingredients, hold them, and then drop them in a pot, and you get something out of it. But there's no recipe or anything. You just have to figure out what's going to happen after you do it. So, you know, I'm sure you can look up a guide online, but that kind of defeats the purpose of trying to figure it on your own. You just have to learn how to cook food and what things you should put in the pot to get the food out. So I got my hot pepper dish and I ate that and it like raised my cold resist by whatever for 12 minutes. And that was enough time to get out and, and do the two things in the snowy area I had to do. Um, and this all sounds like a pain in the ass, but the thing is, is that it felt intuitive. Like as long as you're paying attention to what you're doing and what's around you, the game kind of nudges you in the right direction. Like if those peppers weren't next to the gate going into the snow area, I'd be kind of pissed off, but the game puts them there. Like, Hey, listen, grab these peppers. They might be useful for something, you know, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Um, and then I kind of went from there and figured it out. And, and that was a very satisfying experience. I could see it being frustrating, maybe in some cases, if you just get stuck and have to look it up. Um, but figuring that out on my own felt really good. I think that's kind of a callback to the original, like the very, very first Zelda game, which was very, you know, we're kind of going to tell you where to go, but you kind of have to figure it out, opposed to some more recent ones where it was a little more hand-holding. Um, and the game goes out of its way to say, we're not going to hold your hand. You've got to figure this out on your own. This is the kind of game it is. Get over it. Um, so I can see why that could turn some people off, but for someone like me, it's absolutely fantastic. Um, I really, really like that. And I'm much more hyped to play this game now than I was before. Um, so I was like, yay, Zelda, I love Zelda, but actually playing it, I'm like, yeah, this kind of works for me. Um, and the game is gorgeous. It's a beautiful, beautiful game. Um, the music is really solid. Uh, it has voice acting though, which is, which is kind of interesting. Um, all the characters that I've met so far talk, except for Link, because Link can never talk. He can only grunt. Um, but you do meet uh, this old man character, and I won't spoil who he is. And you uh, hear, I assume, Princess Zelda. Um, but the voice acting is well done. Music's gorgeous. The um, art style is, I think, kind of what they wanted to do for Wind Waker originally. And the hardware probably didn't allow it. It's cel-shaded, but it's not Wind Waker cel-shaded. It's kind of a soft cartoony look but still maintaining kind of this semi-realistic view um because the world is, is gorgeous like i said you know it's, it's just huge and it looks great so overall breath of the wild looks like a really solid game i'm looking forward to, to really diving into it i think it's gonna be a lot of fun so that should be a good one uh and so one one final little mini topic i kind of want to talk over because we're recording this on december 30th so obviously new year's is in you know a day day or so um Games we're looking forward to playing in, in 2018. So um, I'll give Sal a couple minutes to, to figure out uh, what he's excited about. I still don't have anything that comes to mind. I've been thinking about this since I saw you put it on the list, and I don't know if I have anything. It's it's a little barren. I'm, I'm looking at release dates, and I'm like, most of these games are coming out, but they aren't verified for 2018. So I'm like, eh, I don't know. Um, but for me, uh, Monster Hunter World, I've talked about this quite a bit. Um, you know, I won't get into describing what it is again, but that's coming out January 26th. I'm really looking forward to that one. Um, just it, it brings back memories of another game I played that I really enjoyed, so I'm excited for it. Um, Code Vein, this is one that I haven't actually talked about much, but it's being, uh, I'm not sure it's produced by, but it's being published by Bando Namco, uh, Namco Bandai. Um, and that's the same company that published the Dark Souls series. They didn't create the series. That was from software, but they published it. Um, but this looks like it is a 
a similar thought process to it. It's a cell shaded, more of an anime style art style. Um, but it, you could tell just by the interface that they clearly were trying to copy Dark Souls. Um, and I don't expect it to be exactly the same, but I am looking forward to this one. We'll probably do a dungeon crawl on it, uh, just because I love that style of game, Bloodborne, Dark Souls, that sort of thing. Um, but Code Vein, it says it's coming in 2018. No verified uh, release date for that exactly yet, but uh, I am hoping it's coming out next year. Um, another big one is Red Dead Redemption 2. Um, this is obviously the prequel to Red Dead Redemption, uh, being developed by Rockstar Games. Their whole thing is it's ready when it's ready, and they are not afraid to push things back because they know they want a certain quality product. So current guess is 2018. It may get pushed back. It's been delayed before. So it may not be this coming year, but I will wait as long as it's good. And that's kind of my thing with that one. I know Bates a, a big Red Dead fan as well. Um, I love a good Western. So looking forward to that one. Hopefully 2018. Maybe, maybe not. Um, Final Fantasy VII Remake. This is also one that, uh, you know, supposedly 2018. It's going to be an episodic game. Uh, supposedly each episode is a full game in of itself, which is kind of a weird way of doing it. But I know Square Enix has been experimenting with the whole gaming as a service thing quite a bit. So we'll see how that actually pans out. But supposedly episode one sometime in 2018 it's being directed by, uh, I'm going to butcher his first name, Celeste Nomura, um, who's the guy responsible for working on Final Fantasy XV. He didn't finish it, but he started it. And, of course, the Kingdom Hearts series. So this guy takes his time with his games. He wants to make them the way he wants to make them, and that can take a long time. So hopefully 2018, but, you know, we'll see if it comes out. And, of course, you know, we've got Project Nova being developed by CCP Games. That's going to be hopefully coming out in 2018. That's their projected release date for the game. Um, not really sure if that's a full release or if that's a beta or what they're doing with that. But uh, I think a lot of people who listen to this show are probably hyped for that one. And uh, it'll be good to, to get that one uh, in players' hands. I, I really want to give it a shot, see what it's all about, see what they change, that sort of thing. So it should be good. So I'm looking forward to, to Project Nova in 2018, hopefully. So basically most of my list is next year, hopefully, with the only one for sure being Monster Hunter coming out in January. But, uh, you know, I figure out of those four, um, one of them should at least come out. So I'm, I'm excited. Uh, what about you, Zell, though? Do, do you, uh, um, well, I'll give you a super optimistic one and say that, uh, you know, Squadron 42 or, or, or uh, Star Citizen something, you know, while you're throwing out your hyper-optimistic releases. Um but uh, the the two really the only two I, I kind of looked up you know a list of what was coming out in 2018 and the the two that kind of stuck out to me is uh, a way out which we talked about um, last week um, I believe that's coming out in March um, and that looks like fun uh, there is uh, really just a couple friends that come hang out at my place and play video games and so uh, we could probably do like the legit couch co-op type of, type of thing with that and that'd be pretty fun. Um, and then uh, the other one that I, I recall that I didn't have a way to play before, but now I have a PS4, so I can, uh, is uh, Detroit Become Human is expected somewhere in the first quarter. Um, and uh, this is uh, about like a, like a sentient android in a world where most androids are not yet sentient and her trying to figure out where she fits into things or whatever. Um, and it's from the people who made Heavy Rain and Beyond Two Souls. Yeah, that one actually looks pretty cool. I remember seeing some of the stuff that uh, the recent game conventions um, showing off some gameplay for that and how situations can can span out. I think that, you know, 
the guys did that did heavy rain did a really good job with that. And I think this is going to be a, an extension of, of that with probably bigger depth and, and breadth, so to speak. So I'm, I think it'll be pretty solid. So with that, I think, uh, not a bad show. Um, <laughs> considering it's you know not much going on um this time of year obviously it's between christmas and new year's and everyone is not working um that's why we usually end up skipping this episode but uh, obviously we had to kind of take our freebie a couple weeks ago and and do these two so we can take our schedule well the weird thing is this will technically i think it'll technically be dated for the first yeah this will actually technically be the first episode of 2018 um just the way that falls this year that's fine though. I think we, we did pretty well, all things considered. And you know, um, yeah. So we'll go into some shout outs here. Uh, I don't have shout outs. I don't really. So maybe we'll give a shout out to, to bait who bailed on us at the last second. We thought we were going to have him. Um, bait did bail on us and, and he had like real friends show up and told him going out for his birthday or something. Yeah, that's, that's exactly. He, he's, he said that like, well, no, he said that like people literally just showed up at his house and said, we're going, let's go. And like, you know, if, if people tried to do that in my life, the answer would be no, be like, <laughs> go away. But you know, some people are social, I guess. I don't know. You know, that's how it goes. But yeah, so, so Bane, unfortunately could not make it. Um, and I think Jay was slated to, to not be able to make it today either. Um, but next week we should be able to talk about, uh, Star Wars, the last Jedi. I think that'll probably be a pretty big topic and uh, a good discussion. I think that there's, I would say there's a lot of opinions surrounding that that movie, both positive and negative. Um, it would be interesting to get everyone's everyone's different opinions on on what they thought of it. So that'll be a good discussion for next week. Um, we unfortunately couldn't do it this week, but uh, we'll be for sure to, to to get on that next week. And it will be completely full of spoilers because if you are a Star Wars fan that cares about spoilers, why the hell haven't you seen it yet? So that's kind of on you at that point. But uh, we'll 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 have a good time with it. So. Um, yeah, so Zell, we're gonna we're gonna go in tandem here and give a shout out to uh, you know all of our our listeners for this year. It was a it was a pretty good year. Um, looking forward to doing next year. I think it's it's gonna be a lot of fun. And you know we we have like three listeners, so you know, shout out to you guys. But uh, you know as far as the hosts and, and the guests we have on the show, um, you know yourself included, Zell. Uh, you know I, I I have a lot of fun doing this. Um, I see it kind of like the Dungeon Crawl series. Even if no one watches it, it's fun to do it. Just to talk about or play games with friends and then just have a good time. That's kind of the whole purpose of gaming in the first place. So, you know, I, I really do appreciate you. And I think that, uh, you know, here's to a, a good, a good year and looking forward to the next year. Very nice. So shout out to, to edit X. Yeah. So, so basically what happened is, uh, last week there was one disconnect and I was really proud of the fact that I edited it out so well that you probably can't find it, even if you look for it. Um, and so uh, I think he decided to abuse that by disconnecting like five times. <laughs> it was bad. Like I was like on this roll going, go, cause, you know, I, I ramble and it's just like, it died. I'm like, Oh shit. When did it, I hope it didn't cut out like in the middle of that because it doesn't tell you right away when you're disconnected. So I'm thinking like, God, I'm going to redo that whole thing. Um, but you know, I have faith in Zell to, uh, to edit it together. Um, you did a good job with last week. So shout out to you, buddy, for, for your awesome editing skills and, and fixing my, my shitty internet. Uh, Thank you. Uh, <laughs> that said, guys, thanks for tuning in. Um, you'll hear this after new year's, but I hope you had a safe new year's. I hope you had a safe holiday. Um, and, uh, yeah, we'll see you next week. Welcome to 2018.